0: If you're looking for the steps to success, then you're in the right place. My name is Courtney Steven, and this is The Come Up Podcast. Let's get it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Come Up Podcast. It's your boy, Courtney, and I'm here to bring you the steps to success as usual. And guess what, man? Season two is underway, cracking major. I'm telling you that we're turning it up a notch this year. We're we're seriously doing a lot more on this end. So I hope you feel like you're getting a lot more on your end. And today I got, you know, all my friends are special, but I got (laughs) a special friend with me here in TCU headquarters. You don't understand what just happened here. We spent the last hour and hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes. We spent the last hour and 20 minutes revamping our whole audio setup so that we could bypass the laptop and go straight, independent, location-independent podcasting. I like that term. Location-independent podcasting. We're going straight off the Zoom H4 right now. And um, that's all thanks to my man, artist, rapper, songwriter, Raz, a.k.a. Razim aka we went to high school together and now my man is making major moves dropping a, is it an ep
1: it's an ep yeah my it's man my man
0: just dropping an ep he, he dropped the visuals from his first single last week man he's doing he's doing a lot of stuff i've watched this guy come up from really you know playing on the football team together, to going away to school, reuniting, and this man had become a full-blown artist. So today we're here to talk about, you know, how that music game all came about, talk about all the things that go with, you know, the perfectionism of not wanting to put out an unfinished product, and um, really just how he hones his craft and how he approaches things. So, without further ado, TCU, Right what's good bro
1: what's going on man how's it going
0: yo this has been a long time coming and i'm glad that we finally got this got this together man
1: yeah even just me starting my podcast last week
0: i know sparked everything i know that's really it's been a while that's what it came down to like shout out to anchor because
1: anchor fm for sure
0: man what's your podcast called it's called raz the schoolboy to rapper schoolboy to rapper yeah so where where, is it, where does that name originate from? I know we're gonna go we're gonna go back and get into the origin story, but let's just jump in right here midway through the story.
1: Uh, I wanted something that was simple but still relatable. Yeah. What I'm trying to do right now, and I I, I won't go too deep into this because I'm sure we'll get into it. But I I wrote a lot of poetry, mm-hmm. so because I wrote a lot of poetry, everything uh was very poetic. So yeah. it tends to be less relatable if you dive too deep into uh, themes and titles and et cetera, when you're writing your lyrics or your poetry. So what I've been doing in the last couple of years is trying to make my stuff a little more accessible Mm -hmm. while maintaining some of that poetry. So why that works into the title of the podcast is because I had a bunch of really creative ideas, Mm -hmm. but I, uh, the basis of that podcast wanted to keep it completely raw. Mm -hmm. So to keep it completely raw, literally the first thing that came to mind that I thought defined me, I put it out. Right, um, And it's the first time I've done that. I always overthink titles. I overthink lyrics. I overthink everything. Right. So it's but, actually part of my growth was naming that podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I feel <laughs> it's just like throwing it out. Yeah. Like there's a lot in a name, but at the same time you create the value of your name by, exactly. by what you put inside of the package. Right. Which is something I'm, currently
1: learning and honing so yeah i guess that was the first step just throw it out and see what happens
0: right so how are you enjoying podcasting so far what kind of content you putting out i mean i've listened to it but yeah
1: it's good it's um
0: i mean content wise i focus
1: on the day-to-day things that you might go through as an up-and-coming artist Mm -hmm. um i've been doing it for about seven years but uh, along the way a lot of people ask me like uh somebody at first somebody asked me the other day. Right after I recorded the first podcast, my Mm -hmm. first episode, Mm -hmm. he writes, the guy writes poetry. And he was like, how do you take the words that you write and put them in a rhythm? And I was like, bro, that's the most rudimentary
0: question. Right. (laughs) Like, but but it's so. That's like asking a basketball player, like, how do you shoot a jump shot? Yeah. Which is like. Like asking Kobe,
1: how do you do, how do you shoot a pull up? How do you dunk? (laughs) How do you dunk? And it's because it's I guess at some point it becomes so second nature or mm-hmm. I some people have a knack for it. Some people work really hard at it. I don't know, depending on who you are, but things like that, things that people ask me, I talk about it. Um, so it's gonna be just topics that come up along the way. Somebody might ask me, and I have a good great discussion. I have a lot of coffees with people mm-hmm. and we get into deep discussions about what it's like to what goes on in the background, right? Because you get to see the product, you get to see the music and the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't get to see like arguments with the producer in the studio. Right. So I want to talk about those things. I want to talk about how I get from A to B um when you're making a song. Um and then I even uh keep it as I keep it broad so that you get to hear what goes on whenever, wherever. Yeah kind of thing. You know what I mean? So
0: you're giving like an inside look of really the come up of an artist and, you know, what you're actually doing.
1: Yeah, I guess the easiest way to put it is how I put it in the bio of the podcast is the journey of an up-and-coming artist. Sick. The ins and outs, whatever it, whatever that might be.
0: Sick. Your first podcast, you were actually driving in your car.
1: Yeah, I was on the way to Michigan to that wedding where that guy asked me that question. Yeah, don't text and drive, guys, but uh, it was hands-free, I right?
0: podcasted and drove. <laughs> it, was, it was hands-free.
1: It was hands-free, completely hands-free, but uh, it was, yeah, it was just driving and I was like, yo, I need to talk directly to people um And somebody, I talked to somebody about music the day before. Actually, we were talking about something, and I was thinking about Anchor FM because the conversation I was having with this other person was like, I was like, I had a, I had mentioned Anchor FM to them, and then we were having a conversation, and I was like, Yo, see this what we're talking about right now? You could make this a podcast right now. Mm-hmm. That's how I sold Anchor FM to them, and then I was like, Why the hell aren't I making? <laughs> right. Yeah, like I have these conversations too. Just record it and put it up. So. Yeah, Yo, Just pull it out of the car and went,
0: man, I feel like uh, a lot of great ideas come to me while I'm driving. Me too. You know what I mean? I, it's one of those things they say um, the subconscious mind is like 100 times more powerful than your conscious mind. So no, you dwell on do. an idea for all day long. You're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Then when you go in the shower, you start cutting a lawn or doing something else that's like kind of routine and you take your mind off of what you're dwelling on your brain is like primed to just go problem solving mode and you just get like these sick yeah. ideas. So like, that's a very
1: good, that's a good way to explain it. Well, that I mean, was very accurate to what goes on in my I, head.
0: And it really wasn't, it, it's not me. I just, it's like a culmination of like a bunch of books that I read. Yeah. yeah. But um, wh- where do you get your inspiration from, man? Like you write about a lot of important stuff and I mean, you talk about heavy topics sometimes, but you, I mean, you also talk about life and uh, things that are relatable, but like, where do you get your inspiration for, for a lot of stuff you write?
1: That's a tough question.
0: That's what I'm here to do.
1: (laughs) It's a good question because a lot, I feel like I study a lot of other artists Mm -hmm. and what I see is people are people, well, other artists, they tend to have, at least if they're major, they have a lane, right? Mm -hmm. So you listen to Drake and he's going to talk about pretty much within a certain scope, the same stuff Mm -hmm. at different angles, different perspectives, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you listen to someone like old player, John Mayer, and it's the same type of emotion or whatever they package it differently
0: right
1: um but i'm kind of on both spectrums (laughs) Mm. so i have a lot of my inspiration let's say musically comes from a lot of alternative rock uh, hip-hop too but more so alternative rock um and rock in general so i'm talking and then like old music so i'm talking about like anything from from like frank sinatra to stevie wonder to The Beatles to Joni Mitchell to Bob Dylan, all the way to like John Mayer, Coldplay, Imagine Dragons in the newer age. But then on the flip side, I was bumping like the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill like last week in my car.
0: Which is one of the greatest albums of all time.
1: Honestly. (laughs) But I mean, I'm not really answering the question, but it's a it's a tough thing to do to answer because it's like comes from everywhere. The music is part of the inspiration. But I think I take frameworks from other people's music. So the way that like J. Cole might talk about something or the language that Lauren Hill might use, but then the emotion and the chord progression because now there's like the instrumental inspiration because I don't take instrumental inspiration from hip hop tracks.
0: Yeah. How much input so. do you have on like the whole production of the music you put out? Like, do you do you work with a specific producer and like, yo, I want to do a song that is upbeat or I want to do a song with this kind of vibe or like how much input do you have on that kind of stuff? Uh, personally so for the last or do you just like go in and he's like yo I got these five big beats let me know which one you like
1: it happens both ways
0: mm-hmm. Um, with me
1: though because what I've seen at least in my experience is when you walk in and they've got five beats ready it tends to be more hip hop mm-hmm. Um, if you go to somewhere if you go walk into like a band or like a rock band or whatever uh, where there's different musicians playing together they tend to come up with the music themselves so for the last four years, I was working with one producer, <clears throat> but he, uh, so he was doing the instrumentation, but we kind of figured it out together because I was doing the vocals and the melody. So it had to have a certain feeling. So I might say, you know, like this Coldplay song, we want the chord progression from there, but the drums from that Lupe track, right? Shout and then to
0: Lupe. Yeah.
1: And then he would, he was the mastermind that would mesh them together and be like, this is what I have. Right. And then there was some give and take, obviously. So. But recently, as of like December, January, I I'm completely solo, and I pretty much have complete say over. I work with a producer right now. Um, it'll probably change per product, per project. Uh, shout out to Tabu, at Taboo Music, T A A B U, legit. Like he is phenomenal to work with, and he allows me to have that power over the instrument instrumental. But what's dope is, um, and I'm sure other recording artists can relate to this, is when you find a producer who allows you to give your input when, cause I'm the type of recording artist that actually I care about every sound cause I rap to every sound or I sing to every sound in that song. I know what sound is where and when mm-hmm. it's coming. So I get really picky, which is annoying for producers hundred percent like to producers, recording artists are the most pretentious people. <laughs> <laughs> They're worried about everything, but with him I get, I get full control, but it doesn't stop his creativity.
0: Right. But y'all got a good little synergy. You we work well yeah. together.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I've never been in a situation where I've walked in and a producer's like, "Here, here's five. What do you like?" It's always been from scratch. So, I show them a song. I'm like, "I want this chord progression to be." And if you go into music theory and stuff, there's certain chords that you can that you can use that strike more anxiety or strike more nervousness or more happiness. And that's kind of
0: why, like, we Definitely. hear a song that we never heard before and we can like already rock with it.
1: Ooh, this kind of
0: nostalgic.
1: Exactly, because like. there's chord progressions that go together that create that nostalgia. So that's where we start from.
0: Sick. Um, And you're consciously kind of searching for these vibes.
1: Yeah. And that's why I say the inspiration can come from the music.
0: Yeah. Because I'll hear
1: like Stevie Wonder and I'll be like, I want that feeling. Yeah. But I don't want any of those sounds. I don't want any of those vocals. I want that feeling. It's
0: crazy you said that, that you're searching for feelings and vibes. Because when I listen to music, like for example, Drake just put out a double disc. Okay. And mind Mm. you, no one has discs. I got it off Spotify. Yeah, there's okay. no disc. There's no disc, but everybody <laughs> knows live. that like disc one was more hip hop. Disc two was like, uh, like slower R&D, jams, R&B yeah. and whatever, more singing and stuff. But like certain tracks just had a vibe, like certain tracks yeah. just had like a, a feeling or a mood with them. You
1: yeah. Know? What's nuts with Drake is there are certain tracks like. Can't um, take a joke. Mm hmm. That are actually nostalgic to earlier Drake albums.
0: It's crazy. How meta is that? that that's you can, nuts. Like <laughs> you're almost like sampling your own songs. And yeah, like, you know what I mean. But
1: that's the thing. I'm sure when it, like if you if you Drake's different too because he's kind of created his own sound. He's an icon. Which, you know, he's an icon, and he's created a sound. Right? It's become the Toronto sound. Like he's created it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure if you track the chord progressions back, you'll you'll find them. You will find them in older songs, other songs out right. on the radio currently, because right. there's only so many you can put together. Right. But and, you're and he's right. Got, he's got
0: a producer who's from the same area, right? Like exactly, Boy, yeah. Boy Wonder. I mean, 40, The Engineer, all those guys, they're from the same kind of, generally speaking, this is a generalization, but they had similar influences yeah. being from saying kind of geographic region. But yeah. I got a question for you. I know you you went on a tour a long time ago. Yeah, My man, you were overseas on tour. Um, with None But Fools. Was is that a name? Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm surprised you remember that. Yeah. Oh, like, snap.
0: How did that? None
1: But Fools. How yes. did that
0: come about, man? Last I remember about that, you, um, I don't know if the contest you entered was before or after that. You had like a track that got a Poor. lot of traction and then you just dipped across the I pond and just went on tour in Europe. Like, Tell me first of all. When you put it
1: that way, I sound stupid as hell.
0: (laughs) Nah, dude, you went across the pond. Like that's a big move. Like a lot of artists are still in their local town, just uh, trying to find you know open mics and stuff like that, which is cool. That's part of the grind and the come up. But got to be done. Yeah. How did you? How did you ever get an opportunity to go out of the country and like, put your music out?
1: Bro, that's that's the perfect question if you want to know about my background. Because I don't think I can explain it unless I give it to you. <laughs>
0: so I could, I could tell you or I could give you the short version. Hey, look. I can keep it concise either way, but. Welcome to the Come Up podcast <laughs> where we ask the real questions that other people are thinking, but don't have the creativity to ask. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Legit. it's Because I'm like nervous, but I'm excited that you asked me that question. Because I want to tell it right. Do you
0: have to relive some dark moments or what? Like
1: I have to relive happy. I have to relive really happy moments.
0: So let's go A couple there. of dark. I'm blessed. I guess I'm blessed to be able to say that. So how did it start? Like, where, where, what time, what time frame is this? Like, what year is this?
1: So I went to uh, University of Western Ontario. Shout out. Kind of shout out. (laughs) UWO. Where were you at, Laurier? I was at at Laurier, (laughs) you know, the other (laughs) purple school,
0: but it's all good. I got love for the Western guys.
1: (laughs) The, in my second year, that would have been like 2010, 2011 year right yeah my second year um i had been writing a lot of poetry from high school into university uh and then i don't know if you remember a track came out of western called white and purple on the Wiz khalifa beat for black and yellow mm. you remember that
0: uh vaguely
1: it got into like university mclean's mclean's or whatever magazine in the u.s really yeah it was nuts it wasn't very good but <laughs> these guys like they, they put out a good project right and it was it was wrapping uw or whatever. So. I was one of their resident uh, like mentors and mm. the guy that recorded that was a, was one of the residents, whatever, like the advisors. And, uh, they had gotten a show. Sorry. We were just hanging out in his residence in his room and he was recording something else. And he was, I, I was like, yeah, I write a little bit. Right. And, and what I meant to say was I write poetry and um, I mean, I dabbled in whatever, writing short verses and stuff, and I've always been into music, um, but he was like, yeah, jump on the mic. So I was like, all right.
0: Did you have any bars and at that time?
1: I, had, I just pulled open my iPhone at the time, like my 3G and that yellow notepad, and just like, I put two things together, I think,
0: and Wait. I rapped on the Amelie beat. Oh, that had to be a hot 16.
1: It was pretty. I, to be honest, I don't remember much of it. Okay, okay, okay. But okay. for me, I would I would never rap on a milli. It was just that's what he was playing. Right. Um, that's not your lane. That's not my lane. But it was it was good. And what? And then, anyways, I I recorded that, and then I came back to the residence, whatever, like a week later, and a few students in the residence were like, "Yo, I loved your track." Like, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" I honestly didn't remember. And then. My, my friend Cheyenne uh, shout out to Cheyenne was like I was like yo how did these how did they get the track he's like yo I played it for all of them and I was like what and I was getting really good feedback though right and what that turned into was um, on that track they made for for Western White and Purple uh, Joel Santana was supposed to be coming to London to perform
0: right.
1: and the promoter asked them to perform that White and Purple song to open for him and a couple more so however long after they started uh, trying to make new tracks. And then Cheyenne was like, yo, you should jump on one. So I got on it. What ended up happening was like a week before the show, one of Joel Santana's guys got stopped at the border when they were trying to come in. Cause he had like uh, gun charges or whatever. Come on, Jules. And you can't get across the Canadian border if you've had them in the last 10 years or something. Thank so God. the show got canceled, but <laughs> it was a blessing for me because at the time I was dabbling in like what I wanted to talk about.
0: You were um, trying to find your, yourself as an artist?
1: And I didn't, I just started taking it seriously because these opportunities popped up. Like thinking that you're going to open for Joel Santana is a pretty big deal when you recorded one, <laughs> like one track on one a tiny USB track, mic. Yeah, like, like yeah. one verse, right? And uh, so I was happy it didn't happen because it forced me to start thinking about what I actually wanted to talk about because mm. I had been writing stuff, but it was typical stuff, hip hop. Kind of like amateur hip hop stuff. Kind that,
0: of regurgitating the stuff that everybody's cutting exactly. in the basement, like
1: exactly. And I was like, um, as someone who's like, I'm, I'm close to my religion too. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get closer, mm-hmm. and or I knew I wanted to be eventually at that time. So I was like, I really want to figure out what I want to say. And then I, I went back and I started studying people like Talib Kweli, Lupe Fiasco, Lauren Hill. At the time, those were I was had those on repeat. But what I realized is they had all studied like the Quran, the Bible the Torah, like just uh, theory in general philosophy. Like they had a, if they didn't study it directly, they had a background for it at least and a consciousness. And the things they were saying
0: were the type of things I wanted to say. You wanted to have an actual message.
1: Exactly. So I wanted to be saying things that no matter who heard it, whether you're like white, black, brown, purple, whether you're a Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, atheist, Buddhist, whether you're from India or you're from Australia, it didn't matter when Lauren Hill said something, even if they didn't like
0: the song, but you told them the line, somebody had to be like, yeah, that's damn, a, that's true. That's a quotable. Like that's a, that's like, an a Instagram scroll through, like yeah. double tap that. Cause I feel that.
1: Exactly. Way. So I guess in some ways, a lot of it's maxims. They're saying maxims. They're saying um, like life lessons. They're just raw emotion that everyone's felt, whether you're a hip hop fan or you live that culture, or you, like (laughs) K-pop. It didn't matter because when, and I wanted to say stuff like that. Um, so it forced me down a a certain, a certain direction and I started really liking my writing and I started getting more and more opportunities. Um, and then when I, when I started to like my writing, I started actually taking it seriously. Um, and then, I mean, there's a lot that happened in between there, but.
0: So, so you started to like your writing, you started to get serious about it. And you started to work on it, obviously, more and more.
1: Yeah. Actually, this is a story I've actually wanted to tell for a long time. So I i was I was at university. I think I was driving. I was at home for the weekend back in Brampton. Shout and out. Shout out to shout Brampton. Shout out to Brampton. <laughs> and uh, you know, She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5? Big tune. Big tune. So that started playing in the car and I started rapping on it. And I knew I didn't like hip hop, like I didn't want to rap on typical hip hop like a millie, right um or at that time, what trending hip hop was, and I started rapping on that, and it felt so good, and then I realized I was like I can't I can't do hip hop i'm I need that whatever it is the the chord progressions, the emotion that that those songs start from that bands tend to start from, it brought out the writing in me so the first thing I thought was it's easy to find producers at in a university of like 40 something thousand people. I found a couple who are making hip hop beats and hip hop beats tend to, they can be created faster. But I was like, I need a producer who can create Maroon 5 tracks. Well,
0: how would you categorize that? Like your sound, what, what, what would you call your sound if you had to put it together and like put it into a box, which I know artists hate being put in a box, but like what, what's your music called?
1: At this point, like now, seven years or whatever later, I would call it probably stadium hip hop,
0: stadium hip hop. Yeah. I've never heard that.
1: No, I I put it together because if you think about like uh, Coldplay, for instance, or like U2, these big bands, they're they're known as a lot of the time stadium rock. Right. It's really big sounds. It's not punk rock. It's not like uh, heavy metal, but it's big sounds. Right. Um, lead guitars usually are at the front at the front line um and i loved that the emotion and the largeness and how much you could how much of a story you could tell and where you could go with the story in that, in those in type of instrumentals um but i'm rapping on it and the drums tend to stay pretty hip hop mm. so the only thing i could i was able to come up with is it's not stadium rock it's not u2 mm.
0: uh
1: it's not paul mccartney it's not g funk but it, it's not g funk and it's not Lil Wayne, right. So at this
0: point, I realize I'm like the only thing I can call it is stadium hip hop. But well, I think you're you're better off for creating your own lane always. Yeah, I mean it's tough though. A lot of people don't care. <laughs> I mean, shoot, the but, first pioneer is 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 living a dangerous life, man. I heard Gary V say one time, you got to go out there and eat them berries, like they might be poisonous. You might die. True. Sure. But like if if they're healthy and like they're the they're the things that's going to save you, then shoot, then you found the secret. True. Sure. That's a good point.
1: That's a good point. And I mean,
0: I think the closest person you could, you could the closest
1: band you can compare to is probably Linkin Park. Sick. But they tend to be on a harder rock or alternative rock back and forth.
0: Yeah, they got a little edge to them.
1: Exactly. Um, and obviously, Jay jumped on. Yeah, he you know, skyrocketed
0: there. He made them, you know, crossover huge. Completely. So, yo, so, oh, yeah. so in college now, you found, you started to find your sound, you started to kind of get forced towards the music away from the poetry and whatnot. But like, where did, where does the Euro tour come in?
1: Okay. So I realized in the car, Maroon 5, I'm like, yo, I need a producer who can make rock music. Like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So literally, and it's crazy. Like, I, I thank God all the time, but this is how I knew I had to keep doing music. Every time I say something like that, and it's scary to say it because it sounds kind of weird, but I put something like that out and within like a couple weeks or something, it happened. A couple weeks to a month. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. So I was like, I need to find a producer who makes more like rock kind of based music. Um, three weeks later, roughly I was, I was seeing my cousin up at Seneca and one of his friends, he's like, he, I had a track out at the time with those guys. Um, and when he played it in the car and one of, he's like, Oh, his friend is a producer. Right. And I listened to his stuff and tell me how this guy's into like uh, electronic EDM kind of stuff. But is one of his favorite bands is U2. And he's teaching himself piano and guitar, and he, and that's the guy I end up working with for like four, at that time for like two or three years, right, uh, up until last December. So I started making that sound. We put out our first track, and this is where the whole European idea starts. We put out our first track, and there's a band that's big in the Muslim community and the European community, like Scandinavian area, uh, called Outlandish. Um, back in the 2000s, they were massive. They just disbanded um after like 20 something years but my the producer at the time is asking me like hey do you know uh have you heard about landish and then i say something out of nowhere again i'm like yo don't worry we're gonna get to them soon
0: (laughs) i straight up i was like don't worry i didn't really listen to their stuff at the time was was that was that like cocky like it was a little bit or was it more like you were trying to play a mind trick and just like put everybody on this real motivational tip. Like where did that come I feel from? like
1: I'm always on that mind.
0: <laughs> Yo, so you're naturally uh, optimistic.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I forced myself to become a risk taker cause I wasn't before. And in that, I also, I started to add optimism just to be like, to get myself in the mentality of even if it doesn't work, it's a lesson. There's no failures. It's just wins and lessons. How you look at taking risks. Yeah, us. exactly. So, yeah, I uh, I just said that, and then we put out our first track, and my brother was at a show where a band Outlandish was playing in Toronto, and he told them as they were leaving the stage, he was doing sound or lighting on the stage, I think, and he was like, "Yo, my brother's a rapper," and the lead singer Isam was like, "Yeah, let me I, when I see you after, let me hear his stuff," pretty much. So he listened to it apparently, gave my brother his email, and said. Like, on a little piece of paper and say, tell your brother to email me. What? So my brother gives me this. And I'm like, I don't know how, many, how long after this was. I was like, no way. Like, my brother lies all the time. So like, <laughs> we lie to each other all the time. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. what brothers do. We lie. Yeah. So I go back to Western and I'm like, what's the point in not emailing?
0: You have nothing to lose. That's yeah. not even a risk.
1: If he email, like if I email him, he says nothing. He says nothing. If he says it sucks, I'm like, I don't know who you are anyways. Like, yeah, and
0: at that point in time, Facebook bots didn't even exist yet. So exactly. he's, not, he's not spamming you with like exactly. just offers. Random so stuff.
1: I emailed him. And then over a period of time into my third. I don't remember, but over a period of time, I think it was about two or three months, he emailed me back and was like, "Yo, you sound like a young Lupe. Oh, snap. But for me, I've always been trying to find my own sound. It's something my early mentors told me. They're like, don't get trapped sounding like Eminem. I used to rap really fast. So like, don't get trapped sounding like him. Don't get trapped sounding like Lupe and get super insightful. You need to find who you are. So I was really blessed to have that that insight um, early on. So I was like, that's great. Thank you for saying that. But in my head, I'm like, okay, that means my quality's at least close. Now let me figure out who I am, right? And then he was like, I, we're working on a new project. I'd love for you to write on it. But... And just like that, we got to Outlandish in a a way. I wrote a couple of their songs. Um, And then at some point, I was on the way to med school. I was doing all my study into third year for med school. A week before my MCAT, I was like, I can't do this. Somebody asked me why I wanted to go. And I was like,
0: I don't have an answer for you.
1: Um, That summer of third year.
0: uh, Yo, let let me pause you. Why were you going to med school in the first place?
1: Because my entire life I was super academic. Mm. Like when we went to high school together, I was in the IB
0: program. Super.
1: And that's what they say. So
0: that's what they say about all kids are in the IB program, because if you don't do your homework, you get kicked out.
1: Actually, they don't care if you do your homework, but your final exam is 80% of your mark.
0: Okay, so It's <laughs> like so you're is...
1: gonna do your homework.
0: Yeah.
1: But I mean, I was like I, I was playing a lot of sports and I was um I I I like, I mean I didn't like studying, but I had a knack for school, so it was natural for me. And in society, when you
0: excel in school, they tell for you for me become to keep a doctor. going.
1: Yeah, and I I wanted to be. I was like I liked science. I was always in sports, so I mm-hmm. knew I would be in health in some way. Um, but when I found music, then and this producer and things were were popping off. I started really thinking and analyzing differently. Obviously, a lot of anybody who's gone to university or just been through their early twenties around other people who are going through the same thing. You tend to find, find out who you really are or at least who you're not. And, uh, I went through that and I realized like, I was, to be honest, I was good at a lot of things. I played a lot of sports. I was good in school. I started doing music. A lot of people liked it. Um, but I was like, I can do everything, but that doesn't mean I should. Like Just because I could be a doctor from what the paper, what the report card tells me, doesn't mean I should. And if I'm good at all these things um, or people tell me I'm good at all these things, why would I go do the same thing that the other 15 people from IB were doing? You know what I mean? Mm. So I was like, if I, if I'm able to figure things out and, and get good at things, get better at things, I should, I want to try to do something that's greater, that's more impactful.
0: That's well, that's like a really profound insight though, because even like on a small scale from day to day, I find that, um, uh, Man, and I said this quote in like one of the last episodes, but my my homeboy texted to me the other day and he said, people are not beset by an absence of opportunities, but by an overabundance of them. And it's like one of the biggest struggles is figuring out that not all opportunities are created equal. Yes. And understanding like which opportunity is actually the best for you. 100%.
1: Hundred percent, and that's why I say when I put things out in the universe about about music, and they happen without me putting any effort into it,
0: or like, well, that's a stretch. Yeah, I mean, what you that kind of goes
1: into the to what, the next section of the of the story. Yeah. So, but like,
0: what you wouldn't I mean, call just, effort because to like you, not it's something towards that, you're,
1: that specific thing. Yeah. you know what you're I mean. Just
0: working your craft and like letting things come to you.
1: Exactly, right. and yeah, like. At that point, I guess that works into the next part of the story, too. I didn't go to, uh, I didn't do the MCAT. Obviously, you didn't go to med
0: school. Did you get any pushback from that, from family and A stuff? A week
1: before, after you take all the thousand dollars, thousands of dollars worth of horses and stuff, yeah, I got pushback. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though, my parents are super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pushback, but it was logical, so I couldn't right. argue with it. It made sense, and I knew what I was doing was very different from what I had been doing for the last 20 years. So it made sense and I was kind of ready for it. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed. I know a lot of people in my position at that time might have gotten kicked out of their house, yeah, if not worse. And I'm, I just told my parents, like, I'm not doing it. yeah. And uh, at the time, I guess the bargain was I'll apply to the doctor of chiropractic program in Toronto, right? which I did. And then into fourth year, one of my friends, a new friend I met was like, we were talking about the exchange trip to Australia. And keep in mind that for and Outlandish are in Copenhagen.
0: Okay. Okay, so just north of Germany. Which is nowhere near Australia.
1: No. But I, I kept saying for the last... I always wanted to do an exchange. And I kept saying from year one through three, like, no, I got to be here this summer because I got to do my MCAT. Or I got to be here this summer. I got I to study. Or I got to take courses because I got to get my grades up. So now that I'm not doing the MCAT, this new friend of mine who doesn't really know my background is like, why don't you come? Because she was going. And I was like, No, I gotta, I gotta be here this summer. Like as a reaction, and she's like, "What are you talking about? You're not doing your MCAT." Oh snap! She's right. And then, um, around the same time, the producer I was working with, um, we were making more tracks, um, and we were picking things up. So it was kind of like, "Oh, I don't know if I should go." Um, the deadline was three months past for the application. The day I walked in to hand, they were like handed in anyways. So I was like, "Whatever." I go in. A girl, another girl that had gotten into the program also got into the France program. And when I walked in to give my application, she gave her resignation to Australia. Wow. Crazy, like unbelievable blessings. And so I got on the trip three months late. And this is what I mean by, like when you said, all opportunities are not created equal. Then I'd get to Australia after the application was three months late and there were no spots left technically. And I meet Sebastian. You remember the song Sparks that I put out? Yeah. It was with him on it.
0: The one that you put in the contest that like, Stupid viral.
1: That was that was different. That was the Skylar Gray contest. But wasn't it the song Sparks? No. What was that? Song? it was a cover of a Skylar Gray song. That okay, was that was true, her competition. True, true, no. Sparks but,
0: came before that. Yeah, and yeah, it cleared yeah, like
1: two yeah. or three thousand views like overnight.
0: Okay, so still went. It was viral. it was good. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah.
1: So I I recorded that with him there, and he's from Germany. So when we're all traveling after everybody had a bunch of time off after you finished school, all the exchange students finished. Nobody had to go back. Right, we all traveled, and he was like, "Hey man, we're we my band's going on tour next year." And him and I and some other musicians from different countries, literally like Mexico, England, New Jersey, like we, we were doing small gigs and stuff and just hanging out and having fun. He, uh, he recorded that track for me. And before we all go to travel, he's like, yo, my band's going on tour next summer. You want to come? And I was like, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, for sure. I just, whatever. I didn't take him seriously. Then we all get back from traveling and we're going home he's like, so I told my band you're coming. Can you come by July
0: 15th or 4th So or he basically told them all that you're going.
1: Yeah. And they started booking gigs. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're serious. Like, And then I realized, I'm like, I'm not doing anything next summer either.
0: So like all of your opportunities pretty much get thrust onto you and you like got to rise to the occasion. That's what it seems like. But I mean, it's like you said, though, you kind of just keep working on your craft, keep working on your craft, keep working on your craft. And then... Like when something falls in your lap, you're ready for it.
1: Yeah. Or you get ready for it. Yeah. It's like the first time I stepped on the football field. I'd never played before. And Mm. I saw you hit somebody and I was like, God damn, (laughs) what am I going to do out here? I don't remember. Like I was scrawny and small. I'm still scrawny, but I'm not as small as I was. (laughs) Grade nine on the varsity team. That was brutal. But you just got to do it. Right. Right. And that's, I got that actually from sports, from Mm. playing high level sports, baseball, football, volleyball. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Like it kind of—it's either thrust on me, and then I've never been one to not try, which I again I have to—I uh, have to attribute to my parents, mm-hmm. super supportive, just letting me do whatever I felt I needed to do. Um, but yeah. So I just thought, guess I'm going to Germany. I'm not going to med school, right? But my application for chiropractic college was already in, or I'd put it in that. So sum- I was going to put it in that summer. So graduate. And I'm going to Germany. I told my parents, like, hey, I applied to chiropractic college, but I'm going on a one-way ticket. Because I find out that when they give me the dates for the Germany tour, they're ending on the North Sea in northern Germany. And it's like an hour south, well, like a four-hour train ride, roughly, I think it was. I don't really remember. South of Copenhagen, where Outlandish is. And I was like, there's no way in hell I can't go. And this is what I mean by the opportunities. So I was like, I have to go and I have to try.
0: So you went on a tour with some other people who were going to eventually bring you closer to the guy who was like, yo, your music sounds dope. Email me.
1: From like a year, or two years before.
0: What's the chances of that?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and that's why I was like, I can't go to school, man. School's going to be there. This opportunity is not going to be there. Um, wow.
0: What is the chances exa- of that?
1: And that's why I got to tell you the whole thing. Oh my I have to. Gosh. And think about this. Right before I went to Australia, the producer I was working with was like, hey man, I'm not going to be producing anymore. So you So have- my only my only reservation to not go was gone. Yeah. And you- it was upsetting because we had a lot of work in. But I was free to go and do whatever I wanted. Uh, and then... uh at around the time where Isam had emailed me back and asked me to write for him. So first he told me, like, you sound like a young pay, keep doing your thing, whatever, whatever. Three months of roughly after that, he emailed me back and said, um, hey, I want you to write for us, right? So this is all before I even don't go to med school or whatever, right? But at the time, I almost signed to like a brand new up-and-coming record label. And they weren't really giving me attention, even in my probationary period. So me and my boy, Darian, who actually I have to give a huge shout out to because he actually made me keep doing music after he heard my first track because I wasn't going to take it seriously because I was trying to go to med school. Um, We literally stood in the parking lot at one of the residences and I was like, man, this record label is not really, they're focused on this other guy. I have nothing to lose. Like I haven't done anything yet. And I had, like Isam had emailed me and said, you sound like a young Lupe a couple months before that. I was like, what if I just keep emailing him and try to build a relationship there and do it ourselves? And like forget this record label,
0: right? So you wanted to go gorilla and just really exactly build build the bridge yourself and not wait on somebody else to like put you out and exactly give you give try you a to give stage. me attention. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So and this so this was right before I applied to go to Australia. So uh I just said that. I was like, yeah, what if we like screw that? Let's take a chance on this Assam guy, because he's got bigger connections anyways. And It was like, I think it was the next day. We were studying for exams and Darren can correct me if I'm wrong. The next day or two days later is when I got that email saying, hey, do you want to write for us on our next project? So So that had happened. And then I went on into third year and then I got on the exchange trip. My producer stopped making music. So, not only did I all of a sudden have, like, and that's what I mean by, that's what I think about when I say I didn't work for it. I was just like, forget this label. Let me try to poke this guy a bit and see how far I can get. Right. And then he emailed me, like, I think it was the next day or two days or something later. And then I got on the Australian exchange trip. And then the producer stopped making music. So I had a reason to go to Copenhagen. And then the tour ended an hour or whatever south of Copenhagen, the last show on the North Sea. And I was like, there is no way right? I can turn this down. Like, God's going to ask me why I turned this down.
0: <laughs> so, so like, you go on the tour. You're, you're going all around Europe. What kind of, like, cultural difference was there? Just going over there and, and seeing people who are from a completely different continent. Like, what kind of lessons or kind of, like, cool stuff did you see over there that kind of you you added to the way that you do things now or, like, what kind of perspective shift did you have? Cause like, I've never been there, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when I travel, like I see people and how, how they live and it gives me a more appreciation for where I'm at. And also like, you know, it gives me a broader perspective on stuff. Like, did you have any experiences like that?
1: For sure. I mean, I liked Germany better than Canada. Word. I did. I was like, that's where I came up with this idea that I, I still do believe in that, um, just because you're born somewhere or you're born into a lifestyle doesn't mean that lifestyle is for
0: you. Say that one more time, boy, <laughs> hey, that you're talking right now.
1: So, Yeah. What I realized is just because you're born into a certain lifestyle, it doesn't mean that lifestyle is made for you because I felt like at the time I fit in better and the pace and the art, the art and how, how like, uh, how much they appreciate art and artists, whether they're amateur, like people will walk by a venue, like a a small bar or something or restaurant and just walk in. And I, I was with the guys in the band that I was with did this. This is how I know this. They walk by and they hear somebody playing. Don't know who it is. They walk in and they buy the CD. Yeah. Think about that. Wow. Like, the face you're giving me is because in Toronto, that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I know. Like it we, does not happen. We hear somebody on the radio, like, a hundred times, know all the words to their song, and be like, yo, that guy sucks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I felt like I fit in better there. The pace was different. Also, I studied a lot of the history there. I liked the history there. And at that time, I felt like I needed to be there. So I was happy I went on a one-way ticket. The other things I, I learned, too, was, like, performing, I sucked.
0: what was that like what was it like going on stage the first time when you got over there and you're like in a foreign land
1: it was it felt good because the night we got there darian came with me like he held it down Mm. came with me that summer and he we went straight into rehearsal with his band they put on a they told me after that they practiced a while to impress me when i got there which is kind of flattering because I, I didn't think I was all that great. Yeah, but
0: you got to think from their perspective. Like, yo, this guy's coming from all the way Canada. over here from Canada, bro.
1: Like, and I'm doing a tour with them. And they treated me amazing. I stayed with the guitarist and his family in, like, over the Rhine River on like a cliff. It was nuts. But we did rehearsals and it felt really comfortable. Then you get on stage. And if we were in um, Bonn. So well, just a little bit outside of Bonn. My
0: geography is so
1: which bad. Which I believe at one point used to be the capital of Germany. Cool. Now it's like a historical city. Beethoven was born in, like, lived in Bonn. I don't know if Beethoven. he was born there, but he, like, shout out to Beethoven.
0: If we're talking music, you <laughs> yeah, shout out ta- Beethoven.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was a very musical place to be too. Um, but uh, when we performed in that area towards the end, like later on, it was okay because there was a lot more English speaking. Right? And in Germany, they speak like everybody speaks at least three languages. It's it's nuts. <laughs> wow. So, at least the people I met. <laughs> So we did the shows around those areas where it tends to be a little more touristy. So we're only like a half hour from Cologne. So you weren't too culture shocked when you're performing? It wasn't too bad. But majority of the shows were on the North Sea on an island called Vico Fur, which is like a vacation island. I didn't even know they had islands in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And on there, I found that we went to different venues where the crowd, I could tell, a lot of them didn't know what I was saying. Because even if they say, say they did understand English completely fluently, I'm also rapping. And at the time, I was just letting it go. Like, I was rapping fast. Right. I was trying to show off everything, right? Yeah. So in that setting, I could tell they had no idea what I was saying. To the point where multiple shows, I feel like I killed it. And There's... no clap. Like, they're uh... staring at it. Like, I'm on a beach on a stage performing. And there was, like, a fashion show before it. Yeah. And then you do the show, and people are, like, just looking at you. And the crazy thing is, it wasn't like they're getting up and leaving. They were
0: just staring just at intrigued. it. Just intrigued. And I, I couldn't tell that like, was who is this American? Yeah, like that's a terrible German accent. <laughs> that what kind of German accent? was that German? No, it's not pretty Arab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who is this American? Like... Yeah,
1: like it was I the only thing I felt, which is what I believe, is that they were like, no idea what's going on. Yeah. Let's wait for the next guy. That's
0: how I feel like when I listen to like um, what do they call that? That that Hispanic music they play in America. It's like huge right now.
1: Um reggaeton. Reggaeton.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, yo, the beats are legit. You could dance, but like, I cannot sing sing along. I just can't.
1: So that was a shock to be on stage and be like, music is supposed to be, it's like a, it's a universal language.
0: Right. What am I doing wrong? So like, did that. So it's not. Did you make you, did I make you think about like your stage presence, body language? Everything.
1: Everything. Right. I like, it made me realize how bad of a performer I was. It made me realize my voice wasn't strong enough. It made me realize I didn't know how to perform with a band, which is not too big of a deal, but it made me a lot better now. Um, it made me realize towards the end, it got really good performing with that band. And one thing it made me realize is I'm really happy. I chose the more like rock side of things. Yeah. It entails a band. It, it demands a band behind you. Yeah, And I love performing with a band compared to like a backing track. Like a lot of hip hop artists, I feel
0: like your presentation is much less linear and a lot more dynamic. Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, so it taught me a lot of good things, but mostly it was like, you have a long way to go. Like, don't let any of this get to your head. Don't let the fact that they invited you out here, that they got ready for you, that they love your track, the fact that I sounded good in a microphone in a studio, like in a bedroom at the time, Mm. does not mean. You are ready to perform. The
0: studio and the stage are two different beats. Two
1: completely different microphones. That's what I tell any up and coming artist that is crazy enough to ask me for advice. (laughs) I tell them, I'm like, just keep in mind if you're good at the stage, do the stage as much as you can. Get reps. Get reps. Reps, reps, reps. And if if you're good in the studio, do the studio as much as you can. Just get reps on one because most of the time, you're not going to get both. And if you're doing both early on, you're not, it's just, it's mastery in anything. You're not going to, you're not you're gonna grow both very slowly. You're gonna get better very slowly. Um, I was great on the mic, but that was a shock. Like these guys invited me out here, and I'm not killing shows until the end. The last two shows were, were awesome. Um, and you could tell the crowd was more receptive. I was more comfortable. Right. You're also playing with a brand new band, right? Right. There's um, a lot of factors. There's language barrier, kind of. Um, but there's a lot. I learned a lot.
0: That's so the sick. craziest
1: thing is one of the only reasons. One of the major reasons I went out there is because I knew I could get to Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. And I only wanted to go to shake Isam's hand. I'd been writing a bit for him. We had been emailing back and forth. And I was like, I need to shake his hand. I need to show him that I'm serious. And I was on a one-way ticket. I was like, oh, after this tour, I'm ready to work. So these guys, after the tour, they dropped me at a random train station at night. They figured out in German what... They were amazing. That's not sketchy at all. It was mad sketchy. I got questioned by the police in the morning because I, th- I thought my layover was three hours and it was like seven or something. It was all in German. And uh, it's small towns up there, so they don't see tourists really. It was crazy. I got to go COVID- and take this in for coincidences or opportunities, if you want to call it. I get, I, I, I'm, I'm on WhatsApp with Isam while I'm in Germany. And I was like, yo, the tour is finishing. They were on tour, I believe, at the time. They were only back in Copenhagen for like four days.
0: You were there for those the four third,
1: days? The third, the second day they were back was the day our tour was the, sorry, the day they got back was the day our tour finished. I got there on the second day they were back in Copenhagen. Wow. And I was able to stay for about three days and see them. And then they bounced. And he actually told me, he was like, yo, if you have nowhere to go, you should come on the tour with us for a couple of shows. And I was like, oh my God. And I was so excited. But Logistically, it didn't end up with their tour buses or whatever, tour vans. It didn't work out. But three days I had and our tour ended within a day when they were back. So I got to get out there. I I got to meet him and his family and shake his hand and meet the guys he works with a little bit. And it was, uh, again, like crazy. Like crazy blessing.
0: So um, would you say that it was mission accomplished? Going out to Germany, linking with um, your man.
1: Isam, yeah. uh, I think it is because now I have him on my EP.
0: (laughs) Oh, sick. The one that's just coming out. Yeah. Okay, so... I've been sitting
1: on those vocal recordings from him. He became a mentor to me, an unbelievable mentor to me. And uh, I got him to record for me for like the 48 hours he was in Toronto.
0: Man, that's awesome.
1: Uh, And I've been sitting on those vocals for like four years.
0: So... Now they're... So, it's like, really as far as perfectionism goes, because I think this is a good segue, uh, you've been sitting on these vocals for a long time. You were talking about podcasting and, you know, putting out music and documenting your journey for a long time. You were you were working on your craft for a long time and you had a lot of content and stuff, but you weren't necessarily putting out. And I think that's something that a lot of artists, not just like musical artists, but a lot of people in general, bloggers, um, bloggers, like just. Photographers, I feel like a lot of people deal with this. Like, I don't want to put anything out till it's perfect. Like, that's a that's definitely something I feel like you you you've dealt with and you're you're getting over. But like, talk to me about how much of a hindrance it's been just trying to put out the perfect thing. And like, what's your take on that whole situation?
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely went through 100. Um, you were there for some of the times. We randomly we ran into each other in the mall one time. And we ended, I ended up playing you some of the tracks at the time or something like that. But at that point, I was completely perfectionist mode. Now
0: I'm not so much, but... Perfectionist why, though? Like, what is the thought that what's holding you back from putting out something? You just, you want people to only hear your finished perfect thing? Or is it like you don't want people to be able to go back after you put out something that's better? Have you ever really thought about it?
1: I have for the first half of your question,
0: okay, so like, at the
1: time I will say yeah. straight up at the time i didn't why well, i wasn't thinking about what are people going to hear when they go back, hmm. you know what I mean, so that wasn't an issue, or I wasn't thinking about that i It might be for other artists, but I wasn't thinking about that um, as much as I am the type of person that constantly tries to focus on me and try not to let people's opinions and whatever, obviously I didn't even really take my parents' opinion when they said you should go to med school right. and then I got into. Which I didn't mention. We traveled to Thailand or whatever. I got into chiropractic college. In Thailand? Yeah. And literally standing in a beach where the moon was so bright that you could see the, the bottom of a, a beach in the water. I was like, I'm not chiropractic. No,
0: that's a different world.
1: <laughs> and at the time, I was contemplating going on the tour. So I was like, I can get to this tour. And this is when I was realizing, like, I can be on this tour and be just south of Copenhagen and go meet. Is- I'm like, there's no way. Like God is guiding me in some sort of way to get me there. Mm. Um, but uh, so the perfection. So the perfectionist part. Uh, man, I don't even remember why I got into that.
0: But anyways, the, sorry, I don't remember why I even got into that. But the. So like what holds you back from putting out stuff? Or like now, do you still feel the same way or are you kind of.
1: Oh, yeah. OK, so early on. Oh, what I was saying is I'm not the type of person that takes people's opinions and lets it direct what I'm doing. I try not to. Yeah. But now that you asked me this question, sitting here today, I have to say it was because I wanted people to think like right off the bat, like this guy's legit, right I wanted a record deal or whatever came off the first track right whether I, whether that was my direct thought or it was in my subconscious, I was like i want it'm I want to be I want people to hear the best me. I want to shock them the first time I put it out. And in my head, you're only thinking about, I was only thinking about at that time, the next two tracks, right? So the next two tracks have to be fire. They have to be the best that I've ever put out. So what's changed? I realized in the last couple of years, if the next track I put out is my best track, then my career is over. Ooh. That's what I realized. I'm like, and what the time I wasted, I didn't build a foundation. You got to build a foundation. And you have to build a foundation. As
0: far as like a fan base, a catalog. Exactly. Yeah.
1: People need to come back to something. So, but when you start, you're like,
0: you're like, oh, I'm going to make it. Right? It's great. Yeah. It's
1: positivity. And it forces you to get better because you want to get that perfect. I used to do, uh, Darian can vouch for this. I used to do like over a hundred takes on one track. Really? Like back to back to back to back. Like, I remember once, you know when you do, like, a crazy ab workout? Yeah. Or you get hit really hard, or one game you just get really knocked around, and your obliques, like, deep obliques are hurting when you That's cough. So... Wow. I woke up one morning feeling like that. That's how you went in in the studio. Yeah. And it was stupid. When you look back at him, like, it's stupid. It rips your vocal cords. Your voice, by the time you think you got that last recording, is completely shut. It's Trash. It's trash. And you probably went back and took the 30th take anyways, but... So I what I guess what I was thinking, why I needed to be a perfectionist is I knew the sound in my head that I wanted to get to. Right. And I thought I should be there now. Right. Which eliminates the process. Or not it ignores the process. And the process is key to anything. Yeah. Like you didn't just jump up and play corner, or free safety, or special teams for the Hamlet Sacrecats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you no, didn't was, just wake up. This is a long time. This like I actually,
1: remember like... when you were like 60 pounds probably lighter than you are right now
0: oh you're, you still, you're too kind but you right. still hit I like probably, a, like you in, still hit
1: like a beast
0: in college i mean in high, school, in high school i was like legit 20 20 25 pounds lighter
1: yeah and
0: right now i'm like two, two o two.
1: there you go and i can see the difference but you didn't just wake up and be like i'm gonna be 202 today here we go right i'm gonna hit i'm gonna I'm going to pick this ball out of the air and still get hit and land nah, on my feet. You definitely got <laughs> like, to gotta, you
0: gotta take your steps. Exactly. So and that's it's just the excitement, the
1: amateurism.
0: I'm also I was like early 20s. So like what kind of advice would you give to somebody right now who, um, you know, they record they recorded their first vlog video and it's just sitting in in iMovie or Windows Movie Maker and like they got to put it on YouTube like what, right now. Yeah. Like what, what kind of advice you got for that person that who who's recorded songs or who's written speeches or whatever, but like they haven't put it out yet.
1: I, I was talking to my friend who shot that Chick Chick Bang video, my yeah. single that just came out last Friday. I was telling him this exact advice. I was like, "Do not make the mistake I made. I was like be a perfectionist, but put out the imperfect the imperfect pieces.
0: Be, a, be perfect- a perfectionist,
1: because as much as people say, don't like, I feel like we give. Per- people who are perfectionists uh, a negative connotation right because it ho- because it can hold you back it can stop you from actually doing things and it does lead a lot of artists, even artists that break through and they make a record they put out one album and they're gone right and you're like, what happened to that guy or that girl like they were dope right and a lot of the times I read about it it's like too perfectionist and it gets them down a certain like pathway where they end up disbanding or it gets too frustrating because they're always trying to be and you should be but The the be all end all is be better than the last one. Um, This has to be my best track. This is not good enough yet. Um, So my advice is be a perfectionist. Do that. Keep that mentality and do your reps until you think it's good enough. But don't ask for too much input and release the things that you think are good enough as quick as you can. Right after the studio session. Right. Because you're going to be excited and you're going to put it out. And you can laugh at it later.
0: Yeah. You know what but I But you're going to put it out. I heard that uh, if, you're, if you're, and this is as far as like, uh, you know, building digital product products and going online with courses and stuff and, you know, certain things. But like they said, if you, if when you launch, you're not embarrassed, exactly. you waited too long. Exactly. And that's what I did. I waited too long. So, so now um, you got podcasts podcast going, people can keep up with you. Uh, you got you got your EP dropping. Uh, yes, that's called Chick Chick Bang. No, the single is Chick Chick Bang. The is called One Time for Your Mind. One Time for Your Mind. So, um, are you going to have that somewhere where you can download it? Yeah, it's going to be on all platforms. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes,
1: six, Google six, Play, six, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to be everywhere.
0: So, do you have a website? Where can people like reach you and find, where can people follow along and see your face and hear your music and listen to you? Yeah. Like, where sure. where are you at online
1: i'm at it, the website is www.itsraz.com so i t s r a z.com r a z.com and then uh the instagram is just at raz.music pretty straightforward everything's off the instagram page so you can find you can get to everything i'm doing there um that's instagram's where i announce all the new tracks etc and on the podcast the other half of the podcast i do is a few days before the a track will come out. I'll do a podcast uh, called Between the Lines for that track. Um, and you can hear it three days before roughly on the podcast with insights um, into like the lyrics or how the song was made. Um, you'll hear from like, I'll bring produce the producer of the track on or a featured artist. And we'll just chop up the lyrics, what the song means to us on Man. a deeper level on that podcast.
0: Man, no one is doing that. No, I've never heard of anybody <laughs> else doing that. Just really taking an album track by track and like breaking down each each song on its own podcast episode. Like that's that's dope. I like that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and it's like that's my focus. Like I love lyrics, so I've always wanted to be able to stand on stage and like tell people what I was thinking and then hear yeah. what they were thinking. And what's dope about using Anchor is uh, as the app to upload and stuff for the podcast is you can like call in or message in. So you can hear the song first and get like the real in the raw insights into why it was made, what the lyrics mean. I have an explanation for every word I use, quite literally. <laughs> so you can ask me, you get to hear about that, but you can also message or call in and we can chat about it. See. And you can give me your perspectives because any lyricist loves to hear when someone tells them a lyric back. Right. Says, this is what it means to me. Right. So that's where that's for. It's, it's the intimate Getting intimate with that track,
0: man. Anchor is a dope app. I I got it on my phone, but it's definitely something worth checking out. There's a lot of cool podcasts on there too, because people could just yeah. pick it up, record. It could be like one one and a half minutes. It could be half an hour, whatever.
1: Yeah, my first one was three minutes. My second one was like six.
0: <laughs> right, it's dope though, man. I'm looking forward to a lot more of them. So, um, man, we we could sit down here and talk for hours. We just hit the one hour mark, but um, really, yeah, yeah, we did. Might not be the the first little bit was a little banter, but. Yeah. Um I wanted to ask you one last quick question and then I got to wrap this up with the D questions that we oh. all <laughs> All right but um you opened up for Hassan Minaj.
1: I did. Yeah.
0: What was that like?
1: <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that was me Wow, that was me like going completely solo last December after we opened up that studio and everything in Brampton.
0: Right. I went solo. Oh, my gosh. We didn't even talk I about know. how you opened your own studio. <laughs> yeah. So you opened the a studio, then go through that whole story. And then now you're opening up for like one of the biggest up-and-coming comedians on the planet.
1: Yeah, man. It was crazy. So he's Muslim, right? And through the community, I guess they an event, a big event here, uh, booked him. And he came over. And uh, uh, my friend Nema, she's at, at Nemesis. N E M A H S I S on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She's got a chunk of followers like 70,000 or something. She featured on my first track that's going to come out uh in September. Um that's the first single off the EP. What's it called? It's called Myself. Sick. Um so she's on that um so she got booked for the gig to open for him. And she doesn't have any music out yet. She's working on it. She doesn't have any right music out,
0: and she has seventy thousand followers yeah. on Instagram.
1: She's also a makeup artist. She worked for Mac. She got featured in New York, it's like Times Square and stuff like nuts. But she did a cover of Adele, and it went viral. Sick. She's got an amazing voice. Like she's Adele
0: is a beast. Yeah,
1: exactly. So she got booked for it. We had already finished the the track myself, um, together, and that's the first track, complete track she's done. She did has done so far, and. So she was just doing covers to open for Hassan Minaj, And then um, I had coffee with her and she was just like, yo, why don't we perform your track? Cause it's like an original.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, well, if they'll have me a hundred percent, I'll be there. I'm like, I'll be there for half a song. I don't care. Right. And she literally picked up the phone. Like I'll never thank her enough. She picked up the phone and was like, she just called the organizers. It was like, Hey, I have a,
0: straight power move.
1: just like i have a single that's coming out do you think like is it fine if i perform it i'll bring the rapper that like wrote it and i performed it with and we'll do a we'll like for the first time we'll do it there
0: yo what was that like when you got on the stage and you're like
1: man it was it was crazy i have some pictures i have some videos on instagram of me like walking out and they like film me it was it was nuts the crowd was amazing to be honest in the last four years i never really enjoyed my performances it was rough I never enjoyed it for various reasons, like the people I was performing with and uh, where I was at, it just never clicked. And I knew I was better than that. And that was the first show that I had since I went solo. How would it feel? It was amazing. It was like, it was a milestone for sure. Sick. My performance felt comfortable into the second, when you're doing one track, it's hard to get warmed up right away. No. Second verse though on, it was so comfortable. People loved it. A guy I'm working with right now was at the show yeah. and just talked to me about it after. People were like yelling lyrics at me while I was leaving. That's like nuts, first of all. Crazy. They were like, yo, did you say this? Um, so it was amazing. It was amazing. The people, the crowd was awesome. And yeah, I got to hang out with him backstage in the green room with Hassan Minaj. He's cool? He's amazing. Was he cracking jokes? Not really. He's super, like he's like hyper intelligent and down to earth. And he's like, if you watch his stuff on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, their stuff is pretty it's not cheap comedy.
0: No, they're it's well talking thought about, out, like the world.
1: It's like political, it's yeah. it's conscious, it's social, and et cetera, et cetera. But he was just really down to earth. That's and then I got to talk to him about like what do you uh what do you think like what advice would you give me as in like an up and coming artist? what do he say? He said the advice that I would give <laughs> somebody that asked me now, like He's like, just keep doing it. Do it, do it, do it. Get on a stage. And he pretty much mapped his growth. And he was like, I was just on a stage, on a stage, on a stage. Then the bigger stage. And then it was more people. And then as I'm there, I'm telling people, my next show's here. My next show's here. Come here. Stage, stage, stage. And all of a sudden he's on the daily show. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it's that simple. simple he was like, do it, do get it, confused. do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Exactly. Simply and easy, get confused. So he grind- he's just grinding. He was like, keep grinding. Um be a big piece of advice I actually got from a Drake interview was in this day and age, you put it out and the world will tell you if it's good enough.
0: Don't get no realer than that.
1: Exactly. And now that's more real than ever. You can put out a podcast right away. I can drop this tracks on my own and get it on Spotify and everything. Right. It's, it's it's easy. Dope. So. Simple. <laughs> But yeah, man, it was nuts to meet him, perform with him. I actually posted, I'm going to fangirl right now, but I actually posted a picture of him after, and he liked it,
0: and ooh, like commented. Ooh. I like, oh, snap. <laughs> and, um, so yo, yeah, so, so yo let me, this is a question that we ask everybody who comes on the Come Up podcast. And so every day, you don't wear no cape, you don't jump over buildings with single bound, but you're a superhero, right? You got one skill that allows you to do what you do better than anybody else, right? So Mm -hmm. if you could describe what your superpower is, what would it be? What is your superpower?
1: I feel like it's a mix. Just like... Thought analysis, striving for empathy, and
0: you get one superpower. I got bro. one superpower. You get one superpower, bro.
1: I think I I'd have to narrow it down to just like yeah, like analysis of thought. Explain. I'm constantly analyzing everything around me, and that's why I wanted to say empathy.
0: Well, it's it's kind of apparent. Analyze the analysis thing, yeah. I can see your brain loading right now. (laughs) What is your superpower? You're like analyzing, analyzing,
1: analyzing." (laughs) loading, yeah. Uh, but it's, I wanted to say like empathy because as much as you can think, it's when I try to analyze what's going on around me, I'm not technical about it. What I'm trying to see is why that lady in Shoppers Drug Mart, when her son pulled the water bottle out of the case. And the case fell on my foot. Why she apologized six times.
0: Yeah, like what's going on underneath.
1: Exactly. Like she apologized like I think it was four or six times. And I what I'll do is if I have an interaction with someone like that, like I said, oh it's it's fine, don't, don't worry about it. And I was like just laughing at the kid because it was cute. What I realized and my wife actually asked me what I was doing, and this is how I realized I did it. Because as I was walking a shopper's drug mart, I was repeating the conversation back and forth. I didn't realize I was doing it, so I was like, "Whatever, let's say she said, uh, Oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And I was like, Yeah, it's fine. don't worry about it. He's fine. Is he okay? And I was just repeating that that rhetoric back and forth, and I didn't realize I was doing it until she pointed. I she's like, What are you saying? Oh, shoot, I'm repeating what they're saying, and that's why like when I say analysis, I think it, the word sounds too technical, but I'm just like and that's why I wanted to bring empathy into it because it's like... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out why why do you do what makes you the person that says "Sorry, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry, are you okay?" and what makes me the person that says "No, it's fine, or what in my day makes me the person that gets angry and doesn't reply? Hmm. You know what I mean? So and that's just like one example, but I think it would be the analyses or the
0: and that and, and that kind of what does that do for?
1: It makes, it forces me to seek, like, seek answers. Yeah. So, or at least try to f- try to come to some sort of understanding, even if it's not an answer.
0: Right. Instead which, of just coming to a judgment.
1: Exactly. Trying to come to, and it's not easy. I, I wouldn't say I'm completely empathetic and I have no judgment. No, but you're conscious of your thoughts. Exactly. So I try to be, and then from there, I'm trying to be conscious of every word I say. Because for me, the tone that you say something is just as important as the word that you say. And it's crazy. Like, even in households, we grew up with parents talking in a certain way. And your background is Trini. Yeah. Trini, people are really lax with the way they talk, right? sing. They sing. But they're also... They can be kind of crude.
0: Oh, for sure. Right? But not in like a rude way. Not in a rude way if you know what's happening. Right. If you're on the inside.
1: Exactly. But the tone is harsh. And when I was younger, I didn't get that tone. And it'd be even... around half my family, that's Trini. And I was like, why are they being so rude? Right. And it was abrasive to me, right? Right. Now I get it. But like, so I analyze like, why does she say it in that tone? And right. what does that mean for the way she might speak on a regular basis? Or what if my response wasn't kind enough? Right. Like just any, like I just dig so into I, it. I, and guess it em- I guess
0: empathy really is.
1: It is part of it. Yeah. Cause it's not just analysis. And now I think analysis without like an understanding, you just just thinking about a lot of stuff. Right. But I'm trying to figure out like just get an understanding of like why did that feeling make me feel this way?
0: Right. So you can interact with people better. Yeah, and then more effectively.
1: Now hopefully put it into some some relatable words that people can be like, Oh yeah, I've been through that or
0: you're a real you're an artist through and through, huh?
1: <laughs> I guess so. And what's crazy is I've always thought like this. I, I feel like now I I've like honed it. You're just putting it into words. I'm directing it. Yeah. Sick. Sick.
0: It's a okay. Good question. So, all right, this is the last question here. I'm gonna give you the mic. It's not actually a question. more like a request. I'm gonna give you a microphone. And this mic is magical. Everybody in the world can hear you. <laughs> so you got artists you got kids you got adults you got uh all different kinds of people out there listening to your words right now you have to give them advice but you only get 30 seconds what is the best advice that you got
1: <laughs> like 10 seconds
0: you're such a perfectionist dude
1: i know <laughs> there you go what's my advice just in general
0: yo off the top right now what's the best advice you got
1: Do things. Do the thing. Whatever that thing is, just do it. I feel like when I started music, I was, it might not have been as intelligent to just, or as uh, correct to just do any and everything and put it out. But with the platforms we have available now, um, let's put it this way. If you're thinking about music or podcasts, in music, for instance, one song can make your career but it can't ruin it. Right? So it all if it's not your if it's not loved, it'll build the foundation. And don't I guess the other piece of advice is don't ignore the process. Do not ignore the journey. Nowadays when people can see everything that you're doing on your Instagram, they want to know where you came from. I tried to hide it. I didn't want people to know I was from Brampton. And now less your car is coming out of Brampton. Like I and now I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm from Brampton." But they would have known that already if I had put it out. So put it out and let people join you along the journey because now more than ever, that's what people want to see. As much as everything is out there and some people are really fake, now more than ever, people can see how real you are. And they want to be the ones that found you first. So do the thing and don't ignore the process.
0: Listen, Team TCU, you've been inside the headquarters with your man, Courtney. Man, Raz, the schoolboy turned rapper. <laughs> Look, man, I appreciate you coming by, talking Thank with us. Thank you for having me. Man, we, we kept it real, real right now. And I mean, this one was jam-packed, man. We went overseas with it. We went back to school with it. We we almost went to med school. <laughs> you know what I mean? We I talked, hope it
1: wasn't too crazy. We no talked way.
0: about a bunch of stuff, man. The studio, the stage, um, the EP that's coming out. Definitely you guys go check out my man. It's uh, Raz Music, R A Z M U S I C.
1: Raz.music.
0: Raz.music Raz yeah. on Instagram. And it's Raz.com. Man, get plugged in. Definitely listen up. Check out the podcast. If you don't got anchor.fm, go get that app from your, your local app store on iPhone right now.
1: And you don't even need it. If you get the app, you can call in, you can message in and join the conversations. If not, it's on the podcast, it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts.
0: Uh, iTunes iTunes, the whole nine
1: Breaker Stitcher Overcast Pocket Cast
0: Look man This is the Come Up Podcast We're bringing you This Steps to Success Weekly Talking to leaders In the community Doing their thing I hope you guys Took something out of it Make sure you go back Play it again Share it with a friend And tune in next time Because Hey We got more of the same Keep grinding Keep hustling and Chase your dreams Or stay asleep y'all. Peace Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Come Up Podcast. Now, we made it. We're here. We're at the end. That means you were either too lazy to turn this thing off or you actually got something valuable out of this episode. So, that being the case, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Whether you're on Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes, go ahead and leave us a five star rating. When you do your thing, that helps us do our thing. We could just keep this whole thing rolling. So they'll see Stevens signing off for me, Jimmy and the rest of Team TCU. Keep grinding. We'll see you guys next time.